and the grain, only to be distilled into ill-thought-out mumblings and ill-thought-out doings. My father had no interest in me other than to see me at first as a great nuisance and later as little more than a chambermaid. I will skip hop over the inconvenience of my infancy, for it is the general belief that nothing of value is to be remarked upon in the early stages of a female's life, unlike that of the male. Several writers have deemed the early years of a young man to be of such momentous importance that they have even recounted the circumstances pertaining to the time before the sperm meets the egg. All I will say is that my father begat me and my father promptly forgot me. My first conscious memory is of the large wooden table in the kitchen. I spent most of my younger days hidden under it, keeping out of sight. That table was the centre of my world, the only solid thing in a house built on sand. I imagined its legs turning into roots that burrowed deep into the earth. No matter what else might befall me, the table would remain unmoved by fortune's wheel, a constant, like Cook. Cook, as good as brought me up, half-baked me, as she would say, having no children of her own and little understanding as to what infants might need. For guidance she relied on her cookbook, as if she hoped to find the method for the growing of children, just as there were recipes for every other kind of slaughtered meat. I'm not certain that she fully understood the recipes, for she told me she believed reading was nothing to do with letters. Recipes, she said, were weighed in words, and words were weighed in time. As with so much that Cook said, this meant little or nothing to my green ears. But I would often fall asleep to the rhythm of Cook kneading bread, rolling pastry, cutting meat. Did I long for my mother? Yes. Of a need for love. All children who haven't known one put the absent parent into a cabinet of angels, or fairies, as in my case. The only place I felt close to my mother was the blue chamber. I knew her spirit had long escaped the house in Milk Street, but the walls of her room held tight to her memory. I would talk to her about my many frustrations and ask why it was that my father had so little regard for me. She was wise enough never to answer, but I would always find solace knowing her to be listening like a benign angel. I much preferred the company of servants to that of my father's chuckle-headed friends, whose delights mainly seemed to be pinned on wine, peppered by the gaming tables. The world beyond our house was to me but a small theatre seen through shuttered windows. The comings and goings of the players were all such a narrow view of the great metropolis allowed. They were accompanied by the changing scenery of the seasons, signalled more by the fashions than anything nature had to offer. I never liked the house. The furniture was heavy and given to chattering, or so I believed when little. The worst offender was the grandfather clock. It stood on the first floor landing, an immovable exclamation mark, its face as large as the moon, without any of the illumination. Its chimes called to the dead more than to the living. The grandfather clock's quarrel was with a young boy by the name of Samuel. In tick-tock talk, it would say, What have you to show for yourself, young Sam? I told Cook there was a boy trapped inside the clock. The thought of it gave me nightmares. Cook, 
who had to share a bed with me, soon lost patience at being woken by a terrified child, and without my father's permission, took the key to the clock from his study. There, she said, as she opened the clock. You see? It's empty. A pendulum and two weights, the sum total of time. I could say nothing, for there crouched a small boy of about my age, his hands over his face. I never spoke about the clock again, and neither did Cook. As the outside world was forbidden to me, I organised the interior of our house into the streets and alleyways of the city I didn't know, of which I'd only heard Cook speak. The main staircase was Gin Alley. At the top of the first flight was the step I called the Coffin Maker, for it groaned every time I stepped on it. The seventh step from the ground I called Dead Drunk, for it wobbled like my father in his cups.